Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, Makini Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a walk in their stilettos so that we can continue to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Today's guest... We have Lissa Monet. She's an international DJ, a six-time stylist DJ award winner, a lifestyle marketing consultant for Sony Music Canada, and the founder of Lux Life Sound. Please welcome to the show, Lissa. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm literally packing for Trinidad. <laughs> oh, nice. Sounds exciting. Sounds exciting. Girl, you're always traveling. I love it. I love it. I I'm, love it. I'm, ex- I'm excited to get out of the cold and, you know, be amongst my people and eat one, two doubles and, you know, listen to soca <laughs> music all day. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So uh, I love to start the show by asking this one question because as women, we have many titles that we go by. But I find that Mm -hmm. one of our most important titles isn't given enough credit. So my question to you, Lissa, is what does your name mean? Um, My name basically, so my name is basically a play off of the painter, uh, Claude Monet. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of like, it was just super simple in the sense that, um, you know, I just kind of wanted to paint a picture with the music in regards to my mixes. So, you know, just kind of like, because every every song has a story and it has a narrative and, you know, it's either written based off of experience or um, based off of a situation. And I find that, um, you know, the way in which you can mix, you know, a group of songs together can actually paint a picture. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where Lissa Monet came from. So do you know if, so okay, is Lissa your birth name? Or is it short My form birth for name something? Is, yeah, short. So Lissa is short form for Melissa. Okay, okay. Which is, yeah. So in high school, all my friends used to call me Lissa. Um, so I just kind of like kept that going. Because, you know, if you're my friend, you call me Lissa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so do you know what, like the meaning of Melissa? The meaning of my name? I know it's a Greek. I know it's like a Greek name, but I don't know... I can't remember the meaning. I, I, I'm sure I've looked it up when I was like younger because I couldn't understand why my mom wanted to call me Melissa and I never asked her. But I, I do recall like looking it up like in a baby book or something like that a long time ago. But I do know it's like Greek, but I just don't remember what it's what the meaning is. Do you know? Um, let's see. It means <laughs> be in Greek. Like, like to be? No, B-E-E. Like as in a bee buzzing? Mm, yeah interesting right that's interesting so uh, the reason I asked that is because earlier I had looked up Lissa because I Mm -hmm. wanted I I thought that was your your birth name and the the meaning um well it had a few different meanings but the one that I liked the most where did it go uh it said it was African and Arabic mythology name um so okay melissa is greek for honeybee where did the meaning of lissa go there was such a deep meaning a while ago where i lost it i was born to be beyonce's biggest fan (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we're gonna jump into that. We're gonna jump into the whole <laughs> beehive thing in a moment. Don't worry. <laughs> so, okay, so let's start with uh, how did you get started as a DJ? Like, was that something that you always um, wanted to do? Not really, to be honest with you. Uh, I just kind of like fell in my lap. I, you know, started going to clubs at a really young age, and then I started like becoming friends with a lot of the DJs and stuff like that. And one DJ in particular. Um, Kirk from Four Corners was like, hey, you know, there's not really a lot of female DJs out right now. I'm going to teach you how to DJ. So I would like, you know, whenever I had like spares or whatever, I would go to Kirk's house and he would like teach me how to mix and stuff like that. And that's just kind of how it came about. And then when I got super comfortable, I basically bought my own set and then I would just like practice in my basement for me and then like a few years after that he reached out to me and he was like I'm starting a residency on Thursday nights and I want you to open for me and I was like what (laughs) that's kind of like how it that's kind of like how it started (laughs) yeah well I mean you you started and then you dominated in it I remember you know I'm going to say back in the day when I used to actually go to parties on a regular basis but you know your name was it that was you wanted a female DJ it was Lissa yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, for a while, I, you know, I definitely, you know, DJ practically almost all of the clubs in, in Toronto, and then, you know, just had really amazing opportunities to travel and DJ outside of Toronto, which is always an amazing experience, which is kind mm-hmm. of like, sparked my love for traveling. So even if I'm not traveling to DJ, like, I still enjoy, you know, just traveling and you know, being in a different environment and being in a different city and seeing how people in those cities, you know, live and like how they, what their dynamic is and stuff like that. I'm like super interested in like little weird things like that. So, you know, I love how you say, you know, your journey started here and it expanded and allowed you to travel and do what mm-hmm. you you love to do. Um, I mean, that's exactly how my journey started. So I want to know for you in terms of your career, being able to travel and do what you love all over the globe and not feel boxed into the area code that you live in? Like, how has that changed mm. things for you? Um, I mean, Toronto will always be home, but I also know that Toronto is a place, it's a very limiting place. We don't have the same, um, what's it called? We don't have the same... Uh, population as like major cities like New York, Miami, London, Los Angeles. I mean, I think the whole population of California is the population of Canada, which is crazy. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, we don't have, we don't have the numbers here. And unfortunately it's like, we have like such amazing talent, but the talent here doesn't have the audience to perform for and to make a living off of. So, you know, we just kind of have to go where, you know, we have to go where the audience is and we have to go where the fan base is. But for me, Toronto will always be home because it's, to be honest, it's like, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine living in another, I couldn't imagine living in another city. I've been to, you know, multiple cities across the United States and, you know, Europe and even in the Caribbean. And like, I couldn't see myself, well, maybe, Trinidad I might live in Trinidad <laughs> and Tobago but I couldn't see myself living anywhere else like Toronto is such an amazing diverse um city a, a great place to raise your children a great place mm-hmm. to like raise a family yada 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 but as a creative and as somebody who is in you know the creative 
field, it's really hard to advance here. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you have, and you know, that's why you have a lot of artists who, you know, make connections in the States or go to the States or go to, or go to even Europe and like, you know, perform and DJ and do festivals and do shows because it's just, you, you just can't, you, to be honest, you really can't make a living here the way that, you know, other people are in their respective cities. Right. I totally agree with you. And I mean, you're in a, in a different industry as myself, but I, it, I Mm -hmm. feel exactly the same way. Okay. So my, (laughs) my next question, like, let me just switch the topic right there before I get deep. (laughs) That was a lot. (laughs) So, you know, what was it like for you making a space for yourself in a male dominated industry? Um, I mean, I didn't think anything of it. At the end of the day, I didn't want to be treated any differently because I was a female. I just wanted to be a good DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that all the time. It's like, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't expect to be treated equally in one area and then expect to be given preferential treatment in another area. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're stepping into, you know, the lion's den, which is this like male dominated industry, you have to become a lion. Mm -hmm. you know, but at the same time, maintaining who you are as a person and not losing your, like, you know, your morals and your values and all that good stuff. But I I never expected anybody to treat me any different or to give me a bligh because, you know, I was a female or I was a woman or I was a girl, you know, like, I just wanted to be just as good as all the guys that I DJed with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to be respected on that level. I never wanted to be treated differently or treated, you know, better than somebody else because, because of my sex. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, you said you were born to be uh, Beyonce's fan. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this because I mean, you've worked with some well-known people and, and companies. Um, can you mm-hmm. list some, some of them so that, you know, the audience can get familiar with, with the like some of the, the brands that I've worked with um some of the brands some of the artists um you know um, you... I mean obviously Beyonce is like you know the highlight of my whole entire life just DJing the VIP party for her um I or very very early in my career I DJed a tip party for Sienna Miller mind you I have no idea if she was there or not <laughs> but you know um you know, I, I, I DJed a party for her. I've done some parties with LeBron James or I've DJed for LeBron James, actually. Um, you know, Drake. Who else? Oh, Jamie Foxx. Um, uh, U2. I also did the TIFF opening gala, like, literally, like, four or five years ago. And I believe U2 hosted that. Um and I DJed that event. That was super wild. I consider you to be a very humble person. So when you're in a, in a position and you've worked with so many big names and celebrities and big brands and companies, and you're, you're, you've created a name for yourself and you're kind of just like, yeah, well, I've worked for this person and that person. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sometimes you just forget because it's yeah. like, it's not not that it's not a highlight of your career, but it's like, it's just part of your job. So it's like, you never, you use like, you know, you obviously revel in it and you like, you live in the moment and stuff like that. But then it's like, you can't like, 
stay in it. You got to like yes. keep it chugging and like move forward and, you know, and hope that like the next gig is better than the last or the next gig is better, better than the last as far as like experience or whatever yes. the case is. So it's like, you know, there's, I'm sure there's a list somewhere on my website, <laughs> but like, like top of mind, like, honestly, it's like, you know, those are the ones that I can remember <laughs> right now. Okay, so <laughs> let, let's take you back to 2016, the Beyonce oh, Formation World Tour. You were the VIP yeah. DJ. So close your eyes and tell us, what was it like to DJ for Beyonce? It was cool. I mean, like, well, she wasn't in the room. Um, basically what it was, it was like, you know, you know when ticket holders, special ticket holders who pay like ridiculous amounts of money, to you know like be in the beehive or like being like apparently they get like a special vip um event that happens Mm -hmm. prior to prior to the concert so i was i received an email from parkwood entertainment i couldn't believe it because i was like i know that company but is this a joke (laughs) and um they asked if i was available and i said yeah i was actually booked for another gig and you know, thank God for amazing, like, other DJ gal friends, like, someone took that, covered that other gig for me, and, you know, gave me the opportunity to make this possible, and, you know, um, I went, and I DJed for, like, three hours, and, like, you know, it was just, like, a lot of, like, super fans, and, you know, like, a lot of, um, some of her, I guess you could say, like, some of her, like, her road managers, and stuff like that, and it was, Mm -hmm. like, super cool, and, like, you know, the guy who, who was my, my point of contact was basically like, she may or may not come out. Sometimes she does, depending on like how much time she has and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, we were playing and whatever, and um, we were wrapping up and she kind of like poked her head out of the curtain and like, you know, waved at everybody and thanked everyone for coming. And like, she smelled absolutely amazing. And, you know, she turned to me and she's like, oh my God, thank you. We were like, she's like our, our um, what'd she say? Hair and makeup is like around the corner so we could hear all the music and stuff. And I was like, there were so many times we wanted to come out and party. And she's like, thanks for playing Prince and thanks for playing whatever. And I'm just standing and I'm looking at her talking to me and I'm just like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Don't thank me. Thank you. <laughs> so it was like, it was a really, really cool moment because like, she was like, she was actually listening to my set and she heard the songs that I played and like, she was like, yeah, thanks for playing that Prince song or thanks for playing that Whitney Houston song or whatever, whatever, and, you know, and it was like, literally, it felt like a nanosecond, but I'm sure we spoke for like, you know, three or four minutes. And then she kind of like, slipped back into the abyss and we got to see her on stage doing like the greatness that she does that's amazing yeah that is amazing yeah I'll never you know obviously I'll never forget that and I'll probably like you know tell my kids about it and they'll be like okay whatever like (laughs) I'm sure you did (laughs) (laughs) wow that is cool Okay, so can you share with us what Lux Life Sound is and how it came about? Yeah, so Lux Life Sound kind of like started, um, it started from, it just basically started from me being like super booked for gigs and not being able to fulfill like some of the, um, what's it called? Some of the like 
like some of the gigs that were coming in because I was already booked. So I would just mm-hmm. start passing them on to other female DJs that I knew just, you know, building relationships or friendships along the way and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what, I could turn this into something. And not only can I turn this into something that can create income or supplementary income for me, but turn this into something where we can actually pay these girls, you know, top dollar for the services that they provide. Because at the end of the day, in my mind, being a DJ is a service and it's a service that you provide to people. And, you know, I always say that if the DJ, if the DJ doesn't show up, you have no party because mm-hmm. who's going to play the music, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, um, we kind of started, we, me, when I say we, me and my partner, Cleo, we started it because we just felt like, you know, I was kind of talking to Cleo about like stuff of the, some of the stuff that I went through coming up as a DJ and the fact that like, you know, being a DJ, it's one of those things. It's kind of like working a nine to five where you don't talk about salary and the only people, like you don't talk about salary amongst other DJs. And the Mm -hmm. only people who like basically benefit from that are the promoters and the people who hire you because, you know, they can pay DJ a, I don't know, a hundred dollars and then pay DJ B a thousand dollars and DJ a would never know that. And you never know DJ a might've played longer than DJ B. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like that weird thing where it's like, you know, we're all doing the same job and we're all passionate about what it is that we do and we should be paid equally. And, and a lot of it too was like, um, also educating the client about the fact that like educating the client on like what it what being a DJ entails and like I think we're probably one of the only agencies or female DJ agencies in the city that like require our DJs to take breaks if they work longer than six hours you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like because there have been times where I've worked at like you know in-store gigs or what have you and they're like oh can you work from like 1 p.m to 6 p.m and I'd be like, okay, but like, I got to pee or I got to like, you know, use the washroom or I got to make a phone call or check in with somebody or what have you. And nobody really like comes and like even asks you if you want like water or drink or whatever. So it's like we've kind of implemented these things to just kind of like, you know, just let the client know that like, you know, if if they're there longer than six hours, we require them to have like a 15 minute break or a 30 minute break or what have you. And you know, please allow them time to check their phones and this and that and the other. Because a lot of people think that like being a DJ is just like standing in front of, um, you know, standing in front of a turn, standing in front of two turntables and a mixer or whatever it is that you play on, and you're just happily playing music. But no, mm-hmm. it's like hours and hours of standing on your standing, feet, right? You know, and yes, you're enjoying what you do, but standing on your feet for long periods of time, you know, isn't gradually does it become a fun thing so right yes to make a long story short that is how Lux life sounds <laughs> so so you created a space for yourself and through the overflow you were able to create um you know a space and an income for other female djs exactly yeah that's awesome See, that's that's like the easiest way to say it. Just, just about it. <laughs> That's okay. Power <laughs> <laughs> they want to know your story, your version, right? <laughs> so, okay. What adversities have you had to overcome to get to where you are today? Um, I mean, uh, a lot. And to be honest with you, I get this question asked all the time and 
I don't know, this might be a really, this might be a cop-out answer, but I don't hold on to adversities. Um, I don't, you know, I think when you love what you do, you don't dwell on the bad things that happen. It's just like a hurdle that you have to get across in order to Mm -hmm. like continue doing what you love. So, I mean, aside from like the, like the general stuff, like having to like prove yourself to like a fraternity of like all guy DJs and like, you know, being doubted and being like questioned in regards to like, is this what she really wants to do? Or is this like really her thing? Or she's just doing this to be cool. I mean, aside from stuff like that, and like, aside from like, not getting paid from promoters or even clients, like I'm struggling with that, like, even to this day, like, these things never, they never get easier. But I think as long as you love what you do, it's just a part of the process Mm-hmm. To doing what it is that you love. So the the reason I asked that question, I mean, adversity is essential for all of us in order for us to grow. Mm-hmm. It sharpens us, you know, makes us who we are. Um, but for every woman that comes on to share their story, everyone's in a different industry. So for right. the women, the women who are listening that are thinking of becoming a DJ or, you know, thinking of, um, I don't know, the, whether themselves or their daughter or someone they know uh, mm-hmm. getting into your industry if they're looking at just what they see on social media the highlight reel if they want to know right you know what are some of the the struggles that a female dj has to endure to even get to the level that that you're at which is the reason why i ask that question that's all the things that i mentioned like you yeah. know people are going to doubt you they're going to question your um your reasons for wanting to become a DJ. And then, you know, once you've proven yourself, then, you know, and you're, you're getting gigs, now you got to deal with shady promoters and, you know, people who don't pay you on time, Um, (laughs) you know, and then, you know, once you get through that, then you got to deal with like, you know, now you, I guess before, I don't know, I guess it's always been a thing, but like you got, you kind of have to deal with, you know, being a woman and, and, and also, making the decision to to play songs that may be derogatory to women and you know there's a lot of conflict with you know with that and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so you know there's just um there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes um that nine times out of ten doesn't really get spoken about Mm -hmm. but at the same time like i said before like if this is what you're passionate about and this is what you love to do you will work through all of those things in order to continue to do what it is that you love. So have you ever had any <clears throat> mentors or coaches along the way that have helped you? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I guess to me, everyone is a mentor, but specifically, um, you know, Big C from, well, well, yeah, when, when I met Big C, he was working at Sony Music Canada and then he had left Sony Music Canada to pursue his own like entrepreneurial um, endeavor in like the streetwear industry. And he was, he was really successful doing that. And he actually hired me to work for him at that company. And then um, when the streetwear industry kind of like, you know, got overturned by online and, you know, sales and stuff like that. Um, he went back to Sony and then he that and then he brought me over with him to Sony. So, mm-hmm. you know, Big C has always been like not only has he been a mentor, but he's been someone who has 
you know, helped me along the way as far as like finding opportunities for me to like grow and, you know, be a part of the music industry outside of being a DJ. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, you talked about uh, packing for Trinidad and um, you also mentioned, you know, that you've had the ability to travel a lot, that doors have been opened um, so you get to work and travel. So as someone who travels mm-hmm. a lot, how do you how do you stay grounded? For me, I think that's part of traveling, um, you know, um, just being in a different city and seeing all aspects of that city as opposed to just, you know, the the touristy part or the glamorous part or the, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. every time I go to a city, I ask like the Uber driver or I ask, you know, a local, like a million questions, like, you know, like what's the, you know, what's the, what's the average rent here? You know, like, and Mm -hmm. I just ask all these weird questions. And just because I just want to get an understanding of like how people, like what, like I said before, like what the dynamic is in that particular city, because, you know, everybody, we're all, even though we're all human beings, we all live differently. And, you know, there's different things about a different city that makes up what the city is. And I'm just, I'm just super interested in in stuff like that. I I love that part of of traveling as well, where you're not just seeing the touristy stuff, where you're going in and you're getting to see, you know, I'm going to say the natural habitat of the locals. Um, Right. You know, like you said, speaking with the Uber driver, getting the different perspectives, the diff- learning about the different, um, you know, culture and, and ways and, and habits. It it mm-hmm. it helps to appreciate what we have here in Toronto, but it also makes you more open-minded. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing about traveling too is that it also gives you an opportunity to step out of your natural environment and just kind of, you know, maybe put yourself in somebody else's shoes or put Mm -hmm. yourself in your shoes. If you were living in that, in that particular city, you know, how would you survive? How would you cope? How would you Mm -hmm. feel? Like, you know, it's just, I think that that too is like, that also helps me stay grounded as far as like being super grateful in regards to like, you know, where I live and, you know, the opportunities that were brought to me and, and stuff like that. I love that. Totally agree with you on that. So do you have any regular or daily self-care routines? Well, I always say a documentary a day keeps the stupid away. (laughs) So I really try to watch, (laughs) I really try to watch like one doc a day. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Just to stay like informed of like what's going on and like what, what the issues are and like, you know, what, things are being hit either things that are being hidden from us or some like crazy crime story that happened and you're like I can't believe this happened in the world you know what I mean just Mm -hmm. like you know I try to watch a documentary at least once a day just to like learn something and to also like just be in touch with like the realness of like humanity whether it be good or bad you know what I mean like I find that sometimes being on social media or even being on Twitter it's like where you're dealing with a lot of people who are creating scenarios for themselves or only showing you a certain part of themselves because Mm -hmm. they're allowed to do that. And, you know, um, I feel like watching a documentary about 
something specific just allows you to see all aspects of things and you know nobody's well depending on what kind of documentary you're watching nobody's <laughs> hiding anything or you know what I mean so it's speaking like, of <laughs> I, I have a question for you and this yeah. okay okay speaking of documentary so the documentary mm-hmm. um on R. Kelly surviving R. Kelly yes. so yeah. uh, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but as a DJ, because I was um, Mm -hmm. at an event uh, recently and the DJ was playing an R. Kelly song and a female came over and said, hey, like, can you change that? And he was like, it's just a song. It's just a song. That was his response. Right. And then there was was another one right after. I have a a question for you. Not that Mm -hmm. it matters, but it does. Was this DJ Black? Yes. You know, yeah, yeah, yikes, yeah. yeah. So I might have said yikes like five times in this whole situation. Yikes, yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. So my yeah. my question to you as a DJ: <laughs> one, do you have you seen the okay? So have you seen the documentary, and do you still play his songs? Uh, yes, I have watched a documentary, and I I mean I stopped playing his songs prior to the documentary um there was an article that had come out in the rolling stone about him still you know frequenting high schools and then that whole story about the radio when the radio the radio host she had done a a a separate story prior to the documentary Mm -hmm. when that came out i was like nah you're done like i'm Mm -hmm. done with you like this Mm -hmm. is ridiculous so you know i kind of stopped playing prior to the doc But I mean, and it's crazy because (laughs) when I used to, when I had my residency um, at Loki Lounge for like three years, I would always end the night with slow jams. And the first song that I would play would be Bump and Grind by R. Kelly. Mm Because, you know, it sets the mood and it set the tone for my next set and yada, yada, yada. And like, now it's like, I mean... You obviously have to find another song to play, but it's not that difficult. It's not Mm -hmm. that, you know, for me, it's not that hard to say, no, I'm not going to play this man's songs anymore. Just for the simple fact that as a, as a female and as a black female, he is violated Mm -hmm. on so many levels, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, it's heartbreaking for me to hear that number one, other DJs are still playing his music, given that we all know the situation now. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no excuse now not to say, oh, well, I didn't know, or, you know, it's just a song. Like, you know, like, if you have a mom, if you have a sister, if you have an aunt, if you have, like, a little baby cousin, female mm-hmm. cousin, like, you should be able to understand why it's not just a song. Right. Given you know, the documentary and the context of that documentary and the fact that we know that, like, a lot of the songs are written through experience, like, just don't right. play that in song, like, you know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs> you got a mom, you got a grandma, you got a sister, like, I, there's no other way for me to look at you and be like, are you serious? Like, right. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I was, I was gonna try and stay away from that, but when you brought up the whole documentary, and I had to think back to my experience this week, you know, hearing the DJ play mm-hmm. the R. Kelly song. And when the woman asked him, he said, you know, it's just a song and then played another R. Kelly song after that. I wow. Like, I was like, wow. Let, let me just ask you. Like, as see, a DJ, the savage, as a the female savage, DJ. The savage in me, 
the savage in me would have like, you know, as a female, you know, coming up to you, I don't know, you know, she, I don't know how she asked him, but either way, you know, if I, as a female, if I came up to you and said, you know, can you please not whatever, you know, and then you go and you play another song after that, the savage of me would take whatever drink I was, whatever drink I was holding <laughs> and just dash it. Because it's just like the blatant disrespect. The blatant disrespect. Yes, yes. <laughs> Especially given what we know about this man. Like, I, I have to laugh because, I mean, the old me um, was probably a lot more aggressive in terms of being physical and and showing that side and the new me is right. very much more reserved so as you say that i'm i'm just laughing at you know the difference in in how i've evolved so i, I had to I have to laugh so i'm not laughing you know at no. the situation but yeah i understand yeah yeah but that's just, wow. that's that's crazy yeah okay <laughs> so uh what what advice would you give a young female that is looking to get into the space of of DJing. Um, it's two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, I mean, do it for the right reasons. I mean, there's a lot of, like you said, there's a lot of um, examples of you know female DJ, DJs out there doing amazing things and you know doing. And projecting those amazing things on social media for all of us to see. But, you know, don't just do it because it looks cool or don't just do it because you want to be looked at in a certain way or um, you want to be revered in a certain way because you will learn very quickly that, like, those moments only come in doses, Mm -hmm. you know. And a lot of the times it comes right at the beginning when everybody's like, you know, excited about a new and fresh female DJ. And then like, you know, when that starts to die down, you really need to like your love for your love for and your passion for what it is that you're doing has to be anchored in order for like, you know, when all the glory and all that stuff dies down and goes away, it has to be so anchored that it's like none of that, none of that shit matters. Mm-hmm. because you enjoy doing what you're doing like you genuinely and you truly love doing what you do doing what you're doing mm-hmm. so that would be my advice like it's like really no music advice it's really no whatever it's like just do it for the right reasons do it because you love music do it because you want to see people like react to certain songs do it because you know you feel like you can bring something new and fresh musically to like you know, the scene or, you know, the situation or whatever the case is, but don't do it for all of the other, like, you know, reasons that you see, like on social media or, you know, because you read in a, in a Forbes magazine that like, you know, DJs make a million dollars a year or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, even if I were to think offhand, the female DJs that I know from Toronto, the only two names right now that come to mind are yourself and uh, Melby and Mel Boogie. Yes. And Mm -hmm. you are both introverted, but so passionate about music that there's no doubt that you guys love what you do. Thanks. 
You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, first and foremost, I grew up listening to music. And I mean, that's like, that's like the foundation to, you know, any good DJ is just like mm-hmm. listening to music and listening to different types of music and being open to listening to different types of music and, um, you know, and appreciating different types of music. Like, and that's kind of like how I connected with a lot of the DJs. It was like, we would spend hours after the club, you mm-hmm. know, talking about, you know, who produced this track on this, like, you know, <laughs> Diggy Smalls album and like, who didn't whatever. And, you know, I used to buy Vibe magazines and Source magazines all the time. And I just used to like, you know, I would buy albums and buy CDs. And like, first thing I do is open up the CD and read the liner notes in the CD. Like, I just wanted to know who produced it and like, mm-hmm. what, what song was sampled from what and like, you know, and then read about them in the magazine. And then like, you know, so yeah, I was definitely like a music lover, not just on a like, like not just listening standpoint, but I wanted to know like the inner workings of, you know, the industry and like who was making, who was like, who was making the moves and who was actually like producing the songs and writing the songs and like A&Ring the songs and, you know, who, who worked at the labels and like who made things happen. So I was also very nerdy about that too. <laughs> That's deep. That's deep. Wow. <laughs> okay. So uh, tell the audience where they can stay connected with you online before we go into the final segment of the show. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter in that order. Hey, Lisa Monet. Uh, yeah. And then I have a website. Called, uh, my website is lissamonet.com. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So... Yeah. The, the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her stilettos. Uh, it's where you share general inspiration from your walk. But before I title it a walk in her stilettos, I'm going to ask you, because stilettos may be my favorite <laughs> shoe, but listen, <laughs> what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a running shoe? Anything, is it anything flat? <laughs> I did I did heels for a really long time and like, one day I just couldn't do it anymore. Like I used to DJ in heels and, um, and then one day I just couldn't do it anymore. And, and then I started hanging out with a group of like, like sneaker heads. And then mm-hmm. they just totally like turned my whole world upside down. So now I like, when I look for anything shoe wise, it's either like, yeah, it's either like sandals or flats or sneakers or nothing with a heel, unfortunately. Okay. So let me see. Sneaker buffs get along with everyone. Um, Do we? <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it says. Sneaker buffs get along with everyone. And if you're a running shoe fan, you're goal-oriented. Oh, dope. Yep. So we're going to call this a walk in her sneakers. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you Prefer- a couple of preferably the uh, Preferably the Air Max 95. But okay. Oh, you're an Air Max girl too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, listen. Okay, so although I'm obsessed with stilettos, Air Max used to be my thing. And even when I first joined Instagram, every Monday I would post me in a different pair of Air Max, and it was like Air Max Air Mondays. Max. Okay. Yeah. For me, uh-huh. that was the only shoe that mattered. Like, I never, I never owned a pair of Nike shoes growing up. I never owned a pair of Gr- Jordans growing up. My mom was like, "Get a job." Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? Like. Yep. Every time I would ask, I was like, oh, can I get, you know, and like, I would always 
like air and I told myself if I ever bought me, myself a pair of sh- like sneakers like Air Max would be like the first pair that I that I buy and mm-hmm. it was and I was so they're, proud of myself they're the best I love them I've got yeah. I don't even know how many pairs lined up in my basement right now so we won't even get into that <laughs> okay so i'm gonna fire off some reflection questions and you say the first thing that comes to mind okay uh, name a book that has greatly changed or impacted your life a book that has greatly changed and impacted my life was a book by the by wally lamb called and i know this much is true and can i ask very what? good book oh sorry i thought we were doing like rapid fire <laughs> um why i don't know it 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 was it was such a well written book it was like a gazillion pages long but it was about this guy long story short whose twin brother became, um developed schizophrenia and they were twins so it was like him having to like deal with a lot of like the changes happening in his brother and you know him questioning whether he's about to become a schizophrenic and then there was, and then it went into like this whole like crazy um like it went into the past in regards to like their family and it was it's really good i don't know i just can't i just remember reading that book the first time and saying holy crap this is amazing like it's just well written (laughs) right and then reading it again like a couple years later yeah Mm. okay no particular reason but it's such a good book (laughs) wally lamb is a really great writer i'm gonna have to look him up Wally Lamb. I'm writing that down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what failure has taught you the most about life? I think being in a relationship of three years um, and then, you know, and then realizing that it wasn't the best situation for me mm-hmm. um, just taught, just taught me that I shouldn't put myself in situations that allow other people to make decisions on my behalf. Right. And that I should always be in a situation where I'm making decisions for myself because, mm-hmm. you know, it's my life and I only yeah. have one of those mm-hmm. and, and I can't go back and change things. So, yeah, that was a huge learning lesson for me. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? So you want to know the first thing that came into my head even before you finish your sentence? What? <laughs> a gigantic billboard of like me holding like a double saying I love doubles. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so explain for those who do not know what a doubles is. <laughs> a doubles is a Trinidad and Tobago delicacy. <laughs> which is <laughs> Which is basically, um, oh gosh, why am I drawing a blank? Because I'm really trying to have one after this conversation. It's like chickpeas wrapped in um, not necessarily roti skin. I can't find the name for it right now. I eat it all the time. It's got, it's got um, tamarind and um, and shadow benny, and it's so good. And it, but it's like really messy. So mm-hmm. it's like you can never like you can never eat it like a proper lady. Like you have to just really just like you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you have to just like deal with the things and just eat the doubles. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> We're gonna make that but happen. Go to like, I have go to like Mona's Roti or Drupati's. They make like the best doubles in the city. Okay, and have it with a red solo. <laughs> so uh, as as you've been saying that, so I I have the plug for billboards in Times Square in New York. So I just had one for my my. <laughs> Right. my book so I'm just, I'm just picturing right now you on the billboard eating your doubles we're gonna make that happen and all these, and all these americans are like are what is that yeah why exactly did, why did you love them so much exactly because majority of my audience is from the u.s so they're probably like what are these canadian girls even talking about right now i don't get it hilarious yeah hilarious. so if you are if there is a if there is a West Indian restaurant close to you, just you know, walk in there confidently and just ask the lady, <laughs> "Can I get a double, please?" Double. First of all, to be very imp- to be very impressed. <laughs> and second of all, they may or may not have it because they never have anything. So <laughs> you know. Oh my God! The whole stereotype of West Indian restaurants never having one on the menu. I'm not even gonna go there right now. We need to do a whole show. You know what? I'm gonna find a a female West Indian a restaurant owner. I'm gonna have them on the show right. and tell their story. Yes. But I want them to explain <laughs> why they never have what is on the menu <laughs> ever. <laughs> Can I get a two piece? Can I get an oxtail dinner? Yeah, we don't have that. Rice? It's we don't done. have that. Yeah, no. Can I get a barbecue chicken dinner with the coleslaw on the side? Yeah, we don't have have the coleslaw. Can I get a beef patty with some cocoa bread? Yeah, we don't have that. Yeah. We have the cocoa bread, but we don't have the beef patty. (laughs) (laughs) Always something. Oh, man. Okay, okay. Let me ask one final question. Let me see. Which one am I going to ask? Uh, Oh, okay. What new belief, behavior, or habit? has improved your life in the last five years hmm. um i think um habit is getting up early in the morning mm-hmm. now that i don't do nightclubs it allows me to get up early and go to bed early which um was a huge struggle and transition (laughs) but honestly I really I really I really enjoy getting up early because you know once again I grew up in a West Indian household where if you got if you woke up after 12 you basically wasted the day Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. get you know you and you get booked for that so yes you know just just to be able to wake up at like you know sometimes six or sometimes eight on the weekends and like you know basically finish 80% 80% of your day before noon, like mm-hmm. watch a documentary, is like a win <laughs> for me. I love it. I love it. I had someone on the show who got me to practice. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to say I've been off on sick leave for like the last two weeks. So if I said I've been, I've Aww. done it recently, I'm, I'm lying. But um, okay. she recommended, <laughs> she recommended five before eight so that's crossing off five things off your to-do list before ah, 8 a.m she's like you have yeah. you've accomplished so much of your day before 8 a.m when most people are getting up at that time right and starting their day yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. and it doesn't have to be anything you know ridiculously major it could be mm-hmm. you know checking your emails or Cleaning saying your prayers or, or right yeah exactly tidying up Absolutely. your bedroom or whatever but yeah makes a major difference so totally. I'm gonna try that too. It, 
trust me, even if you did it for just one week, you'd be like, what was I doing with my life before this? <laughs> <laughs> what was happening? I, I don't know. Totally. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to join us and just sharing your story and your wisdom and allowing those to really understand the life of a female DJ and not just any female DJ. I mean, a female DJ who has DJed for Beyonce and Drake and you two and like, <laughs> girl, <laughs> your resume is dope. So thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. So tell us one more time where we can find you online. Uh, you can find me on social media, Hey Lissa Monet, and you can find me on my website, uh, LissaMonet.com. Awesome. Love it. So thank to you all so much of our... for having me. This was so good. <laughs> thank you. You know what? We've we've bumped this date so many times. Every time we were supposed oh to have God. you on, like life happened. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But I'm so glad that you know, we were finally able to have you on and to share your story. So thank you once again. Thank you. You're welcome. Until next time, <laughs> <laughs> download the Awaken in My Stiletto app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakenmystilettos.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating. Leave a review. Let us know what you thought about the conversation. Do you have anything to add to what Lissa said? Share it in the comments and continue to walk yes. in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. Yes. Let us know if you ate doubles. <laughs>